Genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we lose our grip on our umbrellas as we analyze and celebrate Spider-Man 2 one Ant Mayhem minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. <laughs> I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Paul Montgomery, co-author of The Margins, out this July from Fanbase Press. Woo! Welcome back, Paul. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to yeah, have you course. here for Minute 52, which is the one that mm-hmm. starts with Ock and Spidey uh, tumbling down the face of a building together. And ends with Doc Ock extending some sort of hidden assassin blade from one of his arms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> I called it a tentacle ice pick. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. It's... I don't I don't know. I don't know why. I, I mean, not to start at the end of the minute, but <laughs> I, I, I'm very distracted by this thing. Why? Why does this exist? Like, why did he build this into these arms that he was using to... Um, like is there is there is there at any point does he have to like stab is the there fusion a, reaction? <laughs> is there a scientific, you know, pragmatic purpose to have that? Um yeah. yeah. It's very conspicuous conceptually speaking. Like it, we only get a half a second in this minute, but it looms over the whole minute cuz he's planning on deploying it and then gets it ready to deploy and Aunt May is shocked by it. And I'm still shocked mm-hmm. by it. Aunt May knows what's up. Like she, <laughs> like that's she, that. He's going to stab that Spider-Man with that spike. Like, that is his plan. It's not. It's not a cool move, there, Mister Otto. Um, my only headcanon thing I can think of is just that Otto is such a dweeb that while he was making his, you know, mechanical Marvel arms to help with his amazing fusion reaction thing that he was also playing in his head uh prepare for the zombie apocalypse and so he wanted to <laughs> oh okay. he wanted to have some bonuses in there because like you know it's never gonna happen but it's fun to like plan for it so well we've got he has the he has the tent the tentacle tongue that he used to wrap around uh Aunt May. Aunt May. yeah um when he took her so he's already got some uh some swiss army doodads uh, you know yeah. swiss army gadgets in these uh in these things but i don't i i don't know what the practical purpose like when you're building these tentacles i don't know why you would need the i mean even in the even in the case of the zombie apocalypse yeah. what do you want to bring the zombies closer to you that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but like you can't even so, you can't even say like oh well you know octopi have those spikes like no going (laughs) yeah no no you can't even go the nature route it's it's just he wanted a spike and so we put one in uh i I thought maybe i mean maybe it's like um 
It's like the the thing that R two D two has when he's like plugging into the wall. To oh yeah, hack stuff. Yeah, it's your hacky jabber. Some sort of yeah, maybe it's, yeah, it's a hacky jabber. Yeah, you know, Hawkeye's got one on one of his arrows. Uh, yeah, R two D two's got one in his little kit there. Sometimes yeah. you just gotta stab stuff and hack it. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe it's very violent Ooh. looking for that though. It's all yeah. I mean, this is this is our trident moment basically for this film uh because mm-hmm. in the previous film there's a, a moment where out of nowhere the green goblin has an electrified trident extendo electrified trident um that why just why and out of it does, we don't even see him retrieve it he just like pulls it out of hammer space like a looney tunes character and this is that it makes no sense but it Feels like a supervillain, so I kind of it's <laughs> it well, and it's and it's interesting too because um, there's a few sort of uh, uh, retread moments in these in these days that are that it's all stuff we've seen before yeah. in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the the Spidey slingshot through the window. I I, I can only imagine this is some sort of sweatshop. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's what it looks like, right? There, uh, there are fans at least, but that's probably for the machinery, not the humans. Maybe yeah. it was supposed to read as a dry cleaner, but you know, because of the the garment bags and whatnot. But it just looks like they're. Making but are they like on the eighth floor of a? Yeah, yeah. way high up, and there's like things that you know, there's like uh, scraps of fabric all over the ground. So it's like they're making clothes. Yeah, they're making they're making suits. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, steam zone. But uh, yeah, so the slingshot thing, and then yeah, you've got the trident moment with this, and uh, and then we have we have something that's reused all the time uh, in these in this trilogy uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting when you when you start to see the you know the gears a little bit uh, <laughs> of like oh. This is made by the same person, and he only has so many ideas. Um, and I, I, it's kind of interesting when you start seeing those, right? Yeah, and they're, uh, they're pretty good ideas usually, but you can you can start to see where they're being slotted back in um, one mm-hmm. at a time. Um, well, speaking of things that are like the previous film but improved upon, we've been having. <laughs> I thought you were going to say speaking of slot, Doc Ock. Oh, um... dang! That see that would have better. What would have been better? Pretend I said that, or you know what. <laughs> I'll just record a separate take where I do say that and I'll look very clever. Um, th- with <laughs> Doc Ock and Spidey rolling down the um, the facade, we were talking uh, earlier in the week, by which I mean yesterday because there's only one other day in the week, but we were talking <laughs> earlier in the week about why the not quite realistic CG that might date this film doesn't bother me so much. And I think I landed on with this minute a, a key thing about it that charms me rather than takes me out of it and it's the fact that we have when you go full cg like this which is them tumbling down the side of a building and the cameras in impossible places there is a tendency with a lot of films to make the camera impossibly slick at the same time because you can do anything with a camera in in cg space so swing Mm -hmm. it around however you want and there's this thing that happens with sam raimi in these movies where when the impossible cgi thing is happening the camera work is not perfectly fluid. Like the camera is still like moving side to side to try to catch it as if they're, you know, 
I didn't expect them to do that. So I have to move and do this. And it's not, it starts and it stops. It doesn't just move in one beautiful, long, glidey hobbit uh, move. It's <laughs> right. Obviously, no camera operator could do this, but the camera behaves as if somebody's operating it. And I and think you can that's right. do that. You can yeah. go, you can go that direction. You can go too far in that direction. <laughs> sure. And like yeah. you're like you're and and you're very cognizant of this this obviously fake or computerized camera movement mm-hmm. is trying to attempt human improvisation. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, Whereas, so like, it, but this isn't too far in that direction. This is right. this is fine. It's just enough right. that like it doesn't stick out, but it makes me feel more comfortable as I'm watching it. You know. Yeah, there, there's nothing. There's nothing more uh, annoying than uh, watching one of these CG um, sequences, and you get something like the camera work in the Polar Express when you're following <laughs> the train ticket, and you're just like, "This is well, you're you're doing a oneer that is literally impossible," and I hate everything about this. Um, or or it's the opposite of that, which is the. Um, the sort of uh, documentary style in a completely CG film. Oh, right, uh, where they make it shake yeah, and, or they do like a crash zoom or something. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> and it's just it, and it's just like, oh, that's yeah, the, not... The testing out the zoom thing. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm a person with my first camera phone and I'm trying zoom for the first time. Right. And it's, it's, right. it's very opaque, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's one of the things that always took me out of uh, uh, Firefly and uh, Battlestar Galactica because they would oh, they use the same yes. yeah. they use the same effects house and they would do that in shots of the spaceships, mm-hmm. um, and it was always it always took me out of it. And I think some people really liked it, but yeah, I know it it the shows are great, but that that always bugged me. Yeah, like, it um, shouldn't be conspicuous. It should just be. I just don't want to feel like I'm on rails, but I also don't want to feel like somebody is pointing and saying, hey, we did this for real. Can, doesn't it feel like we did this for real? It's just the <laughs> right. it's like nice little comfy zone in between the two. It's like the uh, it's like the special effects equivalent of the of the Stu- Steve Buscemi, like, hello, fellow kids <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Yes. kind of thing. Exactly. I'm pulling this off, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, speaking of things being pulled off, I, I do really like, I mean, you know, you're talking about that and we're talking about, uh, the camera work, but one of the things that I think really do add to the realism here Mm -hmm. in a way that I like a lot is completely stripping the moment of, uh, music. So it's just Just sort of this natural sound of this fight. The glass as they're hitting the the windows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really good. Like that's that's a way to you know use every part of uh, what's available to you to make this crazy ridiculous fight between a, a spider guy and a, and an octopus man. Yeah, uh, on the side of a building, feel like it's real, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. You strip the the music from it and you make it not so romantic, and you just let it play with the natural sound, and it just oh man, it it. Really, it's really great, and it's the kind of thing that these movies don't do a lot of. Yeah, um, typically. Uh, so it's it's really fun to see it here, mm-hmm. um, 
and I and I think it 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 makes the moment uh, play uh, play out really really well. Yeah, I like because you feel like literally unmoored, you know, with, uh, audio wise. It's like being in mm-hmm. freefall. It's like oh oh oh, oh, oh yeah, you know? like you're searching yeah. for something to grab onto, and then you do grab on, and, and it's really and it's more physical screen. too, um, mm-hmm. because you, mm-hmm. you feel the impact, and you're like oh right, this he has these superpowers, and he is more agile and stronger than the average person, but when he Get slammed against a wall, or when he's you know falling and doesn't have all of his faculties to escape from that moment, like yeah. you you feel just how vulnerable the character is and how brutal the impact is from mm-hmm. from those uh, mechanical arms. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I'm also <laughs> I'm also a little a little shook because I mean you know uh, Zach and I just recently reread the. Um, the sort of Doc Gock trilogy that uh, Dan Slott wrote before uh, Superior Spider-Man okay. um, on our on our uh, on our uh, Patreon show, and in that, you know, Doc Gock sort of makes a point to you know talk about how he's dying and he has all this brain damage, and it's due to the fact that he has no powers, but he takes you know, full on Spider-Man punches from Spider-Man all the time as Doc Ock. And it's, it's damaged his brain in like a, Mm -hmm. in like a Rocky Balboa sort of way. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I'm just watching this and I'm just watching Spider-Man punch Otto Octavius in the face. And I just, Oh boy. Or like when he like uh, knees him in like the stomach and stuff like, mm -hmm. and where head butts him, I think happens also. It's, um, I mean, it's it, not good. Yeah, it's not not good for you as a person. Again, it's it's the the double edge of the um, pulling your punches thing, which is mm-hmm. again, which is way more taken on uh, in Superior Spider-Man than in those those Ock uh, previews. But there's still the idea that um, <laughs> Doc Ock realizing like just how powerful the body of Spider-Man is, and how if he wasn't careful, he'd just be murdering people left and right all the time whenever he hits right and that he has to put a lot of effort into not hitting people too hard but the the double edge of that is that you're still hitting people insanely hard like just because you didn't like punch somebody and they died immediately doesn't mean that they're okay or that like right there there is and you know maybe this this is too much of like bringing in real world stuff into our funny pages but um like punching somebody so hard they knock out is insanely dangerous no matter who it's mm-hmm. happening to and uh this is i don't know just something about like the the visceral hits here with that storyline mm-hmm. in mind i'm like oh boy yeah yeah and and this isn't uh because because you know Otto octavius isn't norman osborne he's not souped up yeah. on goblin serum yeah. he's just a guy who has these arms on his back mm-hmm. uh but you know uh, the arms they don't give him super strength They're They're, he's still just a man. Um, I mean, it's part of the reason why the, the tentacles are so protective of Otto, mm-hmm. uh, in this movie is because Otto can be hurt and they, they can't as much. Yeah. Um, in fact, I don't know that they ever really get hurt in this. I don't movie. think so. I mean, uh, I think they're pretty okay all the way to the end. Yeah. So they're they're nearly indestructible. But Otto is, uh, you know, he's he's just a he's a man made of flesh and blood, and is uh, the this looks like it hurts a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this this gag, the uh, Aunt May slipping gag. Ah, yes, yes. is um, I it's it's really good. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Like I just I love the genuine peril 
only to find out that like, oh, she's actually just right over a ledge. Um, and it's right. It's fine. And like, a, uh, you know, not definitely not a level of ledge that you want to be on on the side of a building, but it could be a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like sidewalk sized. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Um, in the in the business, we call that a Mr. Magoo because she's yeah. <laughs> thinks she's in peril, but she's fine, um, and it's, it's it's all out of luck. But she would probably disagree with that. It's not about luck or fortune; it's about um, her her faith um, because yeah. an angel rescued mm-hmm. her. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting note to hit in these movies that are, for the most part, just happy to be in secular land and not really engage with people's faith at all. Um, but it's not like making fun of her for it or anything. It's literally, it just reads as this sweet moment where she thought things were dangerous and then they were okay. And she looks up to the angel and thanks it like it. And her call, a call back to the first movie with the prayer and, you know, goblin and she's a religious woman and she Mm -hmm. thinks that the spider man is a demon. <laughs> um, well, and it's he's and as I bad think as Magic the Gathering and Pokemon. They're, they're coming for our children. Harry souls. Potter, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. No, he <laughs> is Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, I just, I, I like the moment because it's, it's the sort of um, realism in uh, characters that you don't, you don't get a lot of. Mm-hmm. I think in movies nowadays because mm-hmm. you, you know we're not allowed to have earnest characters in movies anymore. Uh, (laughs) And this Aunt May is just so earnestly, you know, religious in a very realistic way where it's not controlling her life or anything. She's not, you know, like a, like a Stephen King religious zealot or anything. She just, you know, religion is a part of her life. She prays every night before she goes to bed. And so, yeah, she would look up and see that angel and she would thank it. And it's, it's just realistic for a woman of her age in New York. That's what she would be like, I think. And and also it's you just know? like it's it's a it's a funny gag because like for everything that Spider-Man is doing and like going through bodily to like save this woman, she's like she's like he's still, you know, uh, a menace and uh <laughs> you know, probably a demon, probably in league with Satan. <laughs> and um is is getting in the way of the angels rescuing her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I do like, too, that it's kind of a, a release valve in terms of... I mean, this whole sequence, um, and we'll see this again later in the film with the uh, train sequence, but uh, we're escalating tensions a lot throughout it. You know, like when we talk about the weirdness of the Butterfingers moment on Monday, uh, decision-wise, from Otto's perspective... It's in service of the overall um, sequence getting more and more stressful for Spidey. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much everything around this is like, how can this get more more stressful for Spidey? How can this be a harder thing for him to deal with? Um, you can sometimes find yourself riding into a little bit of a corner there in terms of how can I keep going and keep going. And what I like about the bit with Aunt May is it gives us a little relief and... Uh, takes a little bit of the pressure off, but then the pressure is immediately back on. Like it's not, mm-hmm. um, you don't you don't decelerate all the way back down to zero, but like you know maybe you go from seventy miles an hour to fifty, and then you can keep keep going from there. I just it's a it's a a type of moment I don't see very often in these. Oh God, things are going crazy scenes where 
Mm-hmm. Hey. Oh, okay. Oh no. Like that's a that's a fun feeling. It's it's hard to see coming, I guess. It's also, I think, uh, important for the sake of variety because there's only so many things you can do with Aunt May Mm -hmm. on the side of a building and they all involve falling and (laughs) they, they know that they can do it twice, you know, like you can't do it three times, but they need something else to be happening for the tension in the scene. But you can't have her fall three times. That's too much. That's too much following. Then then we're too aware of how repetitive it's being. Yeah. And so you have her fall the once. You have her land on this thing. You have her slipping. But you don't have her fall so that Doc Ock can throw her in the next minute. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Which is... You know, and you want to and you want to ground it in May Parker, not May Parkour. You don't want her doing a whole lot of acrobatics and stuff like that. It's got you got to be true to the character. Totally, yeah. It's a genuinely creative beat, and I think that's why it. I just kind of am in awe of it when it happens. Like I'm always just like, oh man. It also foreshadows um, the spike, um, the, the the narwhal fang, um, in that that she sees the angel and then she turns around and she sees is this a demon flying at her or is this her angel? Because this captor has the lance of Longinus that that, that speared Ooh. the side of Christ while he was on yes, the there we go. Wow. this yeah. spike and now. And she's, you know, she's got her feet not on the ground, but grounded in a way on this ledge. And she understands yeah. this reversal of fortunes that's happening yeah. with this, oh, no, it's that it's that demon Spider-Man. But maybe he's not a demon. Maybe he's the angel. Yeah. And we'll have to see in yeah. a minute. All of a sudden, the morality is clear and she has to help Spidey. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, I, I, you know, we're 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 joking around, but that that I'm spike not. doesn't. Oh, well, okay. But the, <laughs> that spike does not, it, I mean, it doesn't not look like a demon tail. Right. Um, oh, right. yeah. The way that it's sort of poking out behind him mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, at the angle that it is. It, it yeah. And the, the textures on it and everything. Um, yeah. It's like, uh, it's serrated. Yeah. God, this thing's mean looking. Really- what, why, why does he have this? And- like, it looks ritualistic. It doesn't look scientific. Yeah. <laughs> no. You're right. No, yeah. It um yeah, it reminds me of those like horrible uh, knives that I think are illegal most places where they have a um there's a triangular cross section to them that's uh, hollowed out and there's a twist so that the wound that it creates is very hard to close and that, I think that's right. why they're like you know against the Geneva Convention and whatnot because it's unnecessarily cruel and that's mm-hmm. that's what this just spike feels like to me is in this moment and in design and everything it is it's unnecessarily cruel and that's yeah really why it's such an affront to um to Aunt May and us <laughs> and to Otto Octavius to a certain extent cuz i don't know why this he has this yeah um, yeah i think uh, i think maybe the tentacles are uh working on stuff <laughs> while he's sleeping yeah, upgrades night. at night yeah they're making upgrades yeah, yeah. They're they're self they're self upgrading. Um, that's a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, but all right. Well, uh, I think that's all we got for fifty two. Um, remind people where they can uh, where they can find you, Paul, sure. and where they can find the margins. So I'm at Fuzzy Typewriter on Twitter, and uh, you can I, I'll have a pinned tweet pinned as if from a ritualistic knife to the top of my Twitter <laughs> feed, um, telling you 
uh, where giving you a link to where you can go to uh, fanbasepress.com uh, on their website where you can check out uh, my book, uh, the upcoming The Margins, uh, which I wrote with my buddy David Acampo, uh, with art by Amanda Donahue. They also have uh, great books like uh, uh, Kinse, which is a wonderful YA book. Um, about oh. a girl who develops superpowers on her quinceanera. That's your fifteenth nice. birthday, right? Like fifteen. Correct. Yeah, yes. Fifteen is yeah. quince. Yeah. yeah. So uh, quince, and it's a it's a really cool book, which you can get on Comixology. You can also get it uh, in paperback from them. And um, yeah, if you go to fanbasepress.com uh, or themarginscomic.com, I think you can find a, uh, a pre order link. It'll be available there. It'll also be available on Comixology and on Amazon. Awesome. Come, come right. July 23rd. That's when it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, go check out uh, Paul and, and check out the the, the margins. There's lots of uh, preview art and stuff to go check out. Um, see if uh, you want to pick up a copy. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 53. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.